0: Welcome to Madison BookBeat, your listener sponsored community radio home for local authors, topics, book events, and publishers. I'm your third week host, Cole Erickson. Our guest today is author Allison Townsend. Allison is an award winning author of two poetry collections, The Blue Dress and Persephone in America, and a volume of prose, The Persistence of Rivers. She is a professor emerita of English at the University of Wisconsin Whitewater. She joins us now in the studio to discuss her latest book of memoir and essays titled The Green Hour, A Natural History of Home, published by the University of Wisconsin Press in 2022. The Green Hour can be described as a collection of sparkling lyrical prose that moves effortlessly through time time like a red-winged blackbird. Inspired by five beloved settings, eastern Pennsylvania, Vermont, California, western Oregon, And the spot atop the Wisconsin Hill where she now resides, Townsend considers the role that place plays in shaping the self. Through her attentiveness to nature, she reveals the ways that a fresh perspective or new experience in any environment can incite wonder, build unexpected connections, and provide solace and salvation. And with that, Allison Townsend, thank you so much for being here, and congrats on the book.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Cole. It's a delight to be here. I appreciate it.
0: Of course. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. Um, I love the book. I thought it was such a beautiful meditation of place uh, as a newcomer, kind of myself to the area. Um, and I think for many people who have moved even just once or a couple times or not at all, but maybe have connections in different places. Um, I think it's just it's such a great kind of personal Um, writing that can really echo through a lot of people's lives. And I just, I guess I'll first ask you, what made you decide to bark on this specific journey now after all these places you lived and kind of what provoked all that?
1: That's a great question. It's a big one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'll I'll try to answer it succinctly. I think um, you know, it was when we bought this four acres of prairie and oak savanna in the countryside outside Stoughton and um, I I I was not a willing Wisconsinite I was an unwilling transplant 30 years ago um but you know I had a job here I had a second marriage here <laughs> um and we've bought this beautiful place and because I'm not a Wisconsinite, is that right? Is it Wisconsinite? Is that what, I think so. What, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I, that works. Yeah, yeah. Um, you'd think having lived here 30 years, I would know. Um, but um, it was a new ecosystem to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I knew what prairies were, I, I did not know what Oak Savannah was, um, and I realized later that I had lived in Oak Savannah, also in Oregon, once I began to learn about it. So we are embarked on this, you know, lifelong project of restoring the land, and I, I kind of apprenticed myself to the land itself, yeah. and I just wanted to learn everything I could about it, from the plants to the animals to the history of, you know, who had lived there before me. Um, You know, I mean, even going sort of back into glacial time, you know, because there's a a glacial erratic on our hill that has sort of interesting vibrations when you sit on it. It it just feels like it's a very, very old rock. Yeah. Uh, So I just began to, I kept a place journal. I I was writing about the place and, you know, that led to essays It led into essays. Yeah. And one, remembering one, going deeply into one place summoned memories of other places.
0: Mm, Yeah. So. Yeah. And that's, that's partly what I loved about the book. It was very, um you know there there's always a timeline right when through life and kind of how how you how you see it as like oh I, I was here for a couple years and then I moved and then whatnot. I, I loved that um this collection was not kind of linear in like a in in time because I think um you talk so much about memory mm-hmm. and memory is so messy in the way that it's not in in time. You don't think about one memory and then the next through life and it's so messy, right? It's
1: associative. I mean yeah. life life is messy, memory is mess messy, um, writing is messy. I mean you know I mean I think being alive is digressive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, it's like, or at least it is for me. You for know? sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well how do you yeah, how do you then with with all that messiness and yeah with the whole I mean, you say, yeah, one, so the writing of one place brings you to another place. I mean, Mm -hmm. how do you, to me, there's so much information in a memory and so much feeling and detail that maybe you're not even noticing at first and then you're realizing later through memoir. But how do you, how do you organize that? How do you think, oh, what do I, what do I describe? You know, is there, was there, was that overwhelming or was that pretty, you know, how would you, how would you talk about that? Yeah, that's you think? a really
1: great that's a great question. Yeah. Um, I tend to be an associative kind of writer. Mm-hmm. So I mean I tend to just jump in. Yeah. You know, usually with a specific image or a specific feeling that I can attach to an image. Yeah. Um and I mean then I gotta say I just I just kind of follow the writing wherever it's taking me. So that means that um interesting surprises come up yeah. interesting connections and juxtapositions that maybe I hadn't expected to stumble on um, but it also means I have to do a lot of revising um, yeah. I, I mean I, I you know I, I used to say to my students my worst tendency is to overwrite you know'm I'm, I'm way too prolix at the beginning and then I then I need to cut things out as I revise you know mm-hmm. to, to sharpen it
0: Yeah. Yeah. I get you. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that's where that's where in the book it's you. You do. I like your approach because you take on these different images almost more than places. Sometimes, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. you you know, you take on on wildlife, you, you you know, you take on the trees and kind of and how they echo in different places and whatnot. I think it's it is such a you begin the book by talking about this art of observation, which um, yeah. I think is very important, and just how you introduced it was, it really kind of got me, because you talk about how your mother kind of is what taught you this. Yeah. Um, and and it, it showed in the book, and just kind of how, you know, what that really means, what that looks like. Um, how do you think you'd describe that if you could on the that art of observation? And I mean, I think you I think you lay it out in the book. But um, is there is there a way you could say that art is is summed up in any way?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's I think it's the act of paying attention. Yeah, you know. And I was very fortunate. I mean, I, I I spent the first I spent the first nine years of my life on a farm in Pennsylvania, and mm. um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't the wilderness, but it was it was remote. Um, and I didn't have anybody to play with but my brother and sister, and my mom would take us on wildlife walks and, you know, down to the stream to observe the stream, and um, she was somebody who really paid attention to the world, and I think she just instilled in me, um, you know, Rachel Carson's sense of wonder. I mean, Rachel Carson Mm -hmm. was one of my mother's heroines. She was a zoologist herself, but, um, and... I mean, it's like, it's kind of like magic, you know? How did she know to do that? How did she know to, I mean, it wasn't like she said, pay attention to this rock. She just showed me, she just showed me things. Mm -hmm. You know, look how a tadpole turns into a frog look what's on the rock if you turn it over, you know. Yeah. Look what kind of flower this is. Oh, here's the name, by the way, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Um, sure. So just that act of really looking at things closely. Um, and I also, as a child, wanted to be a visual artist. So mm. I, I think I have a very visual take on the world. I, I really look at things. But you know, writers are noticers. Nicole Brown, those are not my words. That's that's my friend, Nicole Brown, wonderful poet. Let me give a shout out for Nicole while I'm here. <laughs> there um, you go. But she says she talks about writers being noticers. So I think early on, I was a noticer, but my mother knew how to nurture that. And um, enhanced it for me with her own noticing. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like, yeah. just I
0: think a welcoming mm-hmm. in a sense of just it's, yeah. yeah I, um, that I mean, just reading the book, it made it made me like what well, you you welcome that spirit too. Is that sense of just like yeah, you know, I, I don't know the names of this thing, or I mm-hmm. didn't realize kind of what you were saying, where like oh, I didn't notice I lived like on an oak savanna, yeah. and kind of just like what those kind of those welcoming kind of words and and kind of unnoticed things really kind of awaken you in different ways. Well
1: and paying attention to the more than human world, Mm -hmm. you know, which is just doing its thing around us all the time in such profound and mysterious ways. I mean once you start paying attention to an oak savanna, my God, (laughs) (laughs) a lot going on there. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, Exactly. I wanted to talk to you about in I think it's one thing to write about place. I think, since we have you here, like talking about it, it's always interesting when you're asked or when you're asking other people, like, "Where are you from?" Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. And um, I always think when when people ask me that, I've been a I've I've moved in a couple different places, and I feel like it always becomes like like a tangent almost if, if Mm -hmm. I'm really given it or if not, it's just very complicated in the sense Mm -hmm. of like, I want to tell you all these different details and all these different things. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I guess my question is how do you, um, just in, in sharing your life with other people in day to day life, um, when it's not writing and with such this mindfulness of place and, and kind of even going back to your mother, how she shared it with you maybe in this, do you, do you think you, or how do you think you navigate that with just other people socially and and kind of with this perspective of different things do you well
1: you know i it, it's i always feel like it's it's such a complicated question yeah. i i have a friend who begins every answers any question you ask him by saying well it's complicated yeah yeah exactly <laughs> so, um yeah. but i mean i i i think i tended to um I mean, obviously, I love the landscape where I live. You know, mm-hmm. I love this hill passionately, and um, I especially love there's some there's I love the driftless in Wisconsin. That's my very favorite part of the state. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I think I often begin um, by saying I'm not I'm not from here. Yeah. Um, you know, which is a it's sort of a <laughs> just um, not here. Yeah. It's kind of like a, a bit of a defensive stance. <laughs> you know, I yeah. like, well, I'm not from here. Um, but um, I don't know. I I do think that maybe you know there's advantages to being from a place and there's advantages to not being from a place because mm-hmm. I think if you spend a very long time in a place where you're not you know where you haven't been born mm-hmm. um, you see different things about it than you do than you might living there the whole time um, so I mean I t- you know I feel like I, I mean I never intended to move all over the country I mean I was a girl and then a woman who just wanted to live one place my whole life, you know, is and just yeah. sink my roots in like a prairie plant, you know, no matter where I was, you know, 12 feet deep, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, but that hasn't been the trajectory of my life, mm-hmm. you know. And so I, I guess I feel like every place taught me something different and gave me something different. I mean, that sounds a little doody-doody. Um, <laughs> no, for sure. Though. But that yeah. is, you know, each had a different gift to mm-hmm. me. I mean, California gave me the American West, those mountains, the ocean, you know, such vastness. Um, Oregon felt like sort of the best combination, you know, like moving Vermont to the West in mm. some way, you know, a, a combination of things that I loved. So I don't, I don't know if I'm really answering your question, but it's a, lo-
0: it's a loaded one, but no, I think you are. I mean, I think, I think cause it's, it's, um, That that's always I think just so I'm always so interested in that with people of just where right because and you talk about in the book too it's just like the, the how a place roots you you know how how it changes you yeah and then when you ask someone where you're from it's just like oh god like like that's a lot you know I mean maybe it's not a lot that they were just asking but in my mind it becomes you know it becomes becomes, overwhelming yeah 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 yeah. and
1: I think too I mean as as individual you know people leading their lives in the in the context of living in the United States. Mm. I mean, I think I think the big American story is a search for home. We're all looking for home in some way. You know, yeah. all of our ancestors came from somewhere else. Yeah. You know, so it's uh, it kind of gives me chills, actually, when I think about it, you know.
0: Yeah, like almost a homelessness that's kind of just yeah. like where, where, you know, where longing, is home? A yeah. longing
1: or a yearning or mm-hmm. a...
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I love that. Yeah, because, uh, uh, yeah, and that's because that's another thing. I mean, I know. I think your your dedication to your husband. I think in the beginning is is home is is where um, is is where you love, right? Yeah. 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 And I mean, I think that's always a, a really good guiding, you know, it spot because yeah. it's just y- you feel it. You more feel it than you see it on a map, right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: And he is a
0: total Wisconsin boy.
1: Is <laughs> <laughs> he just lived out of the state for two. years oh really (laughs) and came back (laughs) Uh, well that's
0: also great perspective too as far as just you know being so uh involved with someone so localized Mm -hmm. because that and that is one thing um that really resonated with me too in regards to the opening opening uh essay i believe you talk about like am i really settling and yet and in kind of in a in a, you know, hesitant way. I was
1: very hesitant. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um yeah. But yet you were also someone who didn't want to kind of move around, you were saying, right? So, yeah. 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 And I think that's always, that's always an interesting thing of how you want to be so localized in a place. And, and I think that's very important for those who are. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the wanders are also, they have like almost their own body of knowledge. And the, mm-hmm. and the, the local and the wanderer always have to, have the dialectic? I feel mm-hmm. like because they're both mm-hmm. so important. Mm-hmm. Um, the in regards to like the art of sharing, uh, one one of your um, one of your essays that I really liked that was so simple, and I think I like this one a lot because me and my mom have like we've talked about lists and how lists can like kind of root you so simply, and it's an alphabetical one, and it's called an alphabet of here. I think that's a wonderful title and the subtitle, A Sampling or no, a Prairie Sampler. <laughs> and um and even though it was one of the more simpler ones, I think it was so perfect in regards to just be like, let me just kinda welcome you here to like a couple different things and how much just such a tapestry that is the full book mm-hmm. kinda really um puts you in that mode. And I think it's it goes into that art of sharing that is kind of followed with a um, a jar of Wisconsin honey. Can you talk about that essay and and the sharing aspect of it about the bees and how bees would fly away if they um, if they're not told about different things in a family life? Can you speak to that?
1: Yeah, I can. Um, about the alphabet essay that I that's from a that form is is actually a poetic form called an called an abecedarian. Oh yeah yeah. yeah. And then mm-hmm. I thought, well, what if I did this in prose? There you and go. And what if I did this as a way to examine, you know, these things that I love mm-hmm. about about the about living on the hill where I do. So yeah. And then the honey. Um, which was given to us by our farmer neighbor, you know, there I was getting ready for the first day of school the next day and he called me up. He was like, growly old guy, you know, (laughs) hey, you guys like honey? (laughs) You know, (laughs) I'm like, well, who doesn't like honey? Um, But I think the thing that amazed me about the honey was just that it was it was from that hill. It was from that hill that we live on. I mean, it, those bees could have come to our flowers. Mm. They probably did. I mean, he had his beehives in 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 what used to be a pig shed. It was an empty pig shed. But or I, I think it was a pig shed. Um, and, you know. And he he made real sure to tell me that's not goldenrod, honey. Mm. I, as I say in the essay, you know yeah. that, that's 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 good, honey. <laughs> you know, um, can you say a little bit more to me what you mean about about yeah. the sharing of the bees? The For bees sure. telling the story. Yeah, yeah.
0: definitely. Um, well, you I know you mentioned with that the legend, and I don't know what folklore oh, or whatnot not this telling, is. Oh, telling. Oh,
1: telling the bees. But yeah, yeah. it reminded.
0: Yeah. And the reason I bring up kind of the tale of the bees, if you want to speak to that folklore, mm-hmm. and and. Mm-hmm. Um, um, what that practice is with keeping the bees from flying away. If you want to yeah. talk to that, I yeah. I mean,
1: there's an old tradition, and I actually, um, I was, I learned this when I was traveling in Ireland, um, and um, we were staying at some place on the Bear Peninsula, I think it was, and I spent a long time talking to the woman. She she was selling honey, you know, that she from her bees right there mm-hmm. and I mean she told me about the tradition of you know you tell the bees about births and deaths and funerals and big events and I mean it. it's very interesting to me because it it, it, it it's a kind of honoring of agency in the natural world you know that you, you report to the bees about what, what the human inhabitants are doing yeah. um, and if you don't do that the bees are gonna leave you. But mm-hmm. I mean it's I guess it's also kind of human centric too, now that I think of it.
0: It's like, oh we're so important, you know, if we tell the bees. But I think oh, it's family centric. I think, that's, I, think yeah, that's, yeah. I think you I mean to me it really spoke to a sense of, you know, um with this share this aspect of I mean you're you're sharing this book with us. I mean you mm-hmm. are you're you're telling us about a space. You're telling mm-hmm. us about what has happened yeah. to you yeah. and what is happening around us, you know, and mm-hmm. how when When we read a book like this we 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 stay here a little bit more, you know, yeah. even if anything, just consciously or you know we're a little bit more attentive i think yeah. and yeah. i th- and I think those that detail is so kind of allegorical of that because it's a sense mm-hmm. of like if we if we just like you know tell each other a little bit about what we're seeing, mm-hmm. you know yeah. maybe we maybe. won't maybe we won't feel so. You know, homeless disconnected, or or disconnected yeah. or fly away, yeah, and yeah, I,
1: it's a grounding thing, yeah, I think definitely. you know, and that and that honey, I mean that was why I was so you mm. know I gave my husband you know instructions, don't you eat all that honey, yeah, you know? <laughs> because yeah, I wanted to imbibe mm. some of the essence of oh,
0: the yeah. the hill
1: you know that that the bees had made,
0: and there's so, nothing better than honey, oh, there's nothing better than honey, yeah,
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> um. I wa- also wanted speaking to place and kind of where one belongs. Um, another part of the book that really resonated with me was um, more of the the conflicting side of when you talk about how um, going to California and ha- and your association with California the second time after um, you're divorcing with your Mm ex-husband. And you say a line in there, and I think it's a matter of, um, you wanted to see if California was still yours, Mm -hmm. in a Mm -hmm. sense, and that, um, I think that's a very um, relatable feeling to -hmm. people, whether it's states, or just, you know, or houses, or towns, or whatnot, but after a memory that maybe isn't so good, or or just a lot, Mm how do you how do you find still a peace or a sense of settling or a sense of, you know, identity with a place that is maybe so associated with something that you don't really want to go into? Um, can you talk a little yeah, bit about that? Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I You know, I think part of that was that, um, I mean, my ex-husband is a native Californian, and, I mean, I don't know anybody who's prouder of being a native of a place than Californians are because they're just... I mean, most people who live there aren't from California, you know, and um, I I have to say, I mean, he gave me, you know, I think I say it in the book that he, he opened the treasure box of California to me and took me to all these wonderful places and introduced me to places that I... I, I probably would have found him myself, but it would have taken me a lot longer, and I certainly would not have gone up half done by myself. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So, um, so I mean, when I went back there after our divorce, you know, and we're we're amicable now, you know, um, time—it's amazing what you know, twenty or thirty years will do. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, and I still feel very blessed by by what he gave me of California. Um, but when I first went back there after the divorce, I mean, I think I felt a little bit like. Whoa is this was is this my place? Does yeah. anything about this as if a place can never belong to us, you know, how territorial is exactly. that and human centric, like my California. But um, you know, we, we get like that about places, we, do. we get attached to them. Yeah. And so going back there, um and I deliberately went to a different part of the state. I went to I went to to um to the Tahoe area. Over yeah. Northern, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um I, but I've since been back to Southern California many, many times. Um, and as soon as I was in the landscape, I was. It was as if it was like, oh, oh, I know this. Hmm. I know the way the rocks. The, these rocks smell in the sunlight. I know the smell of the pines, and I felt completely welcomed and held by the place. You know, now maybe I was projecting that on yeah. on, on the place itself, but it felt that way to me. And, um, and I think I, I think I realized that I had lived there. I had lived there long enough and I had spent enough time loving it and looking at it carefully and writing about it. Um, and, and really becoming a writer in California. That's, that's where I found my voice. So it's like, i I belong here. This, this is one of my homes, you know, one of my many homes. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. I, I love, yeah, I love that. I think, um, it's it's very important, I think, yeah, to to make yeah peace with the uh, to make peace with the place, but having I think it's beautiful sometimes to have such an intimacy with place or people or whatnot, so much that they can all they all interconnect in a sense so overwhelmingly, and sometimes mm-hmm. and I I think that conflict is something that is really real of how that interconnection and and how that can be separated in different ways is so real but yeah how how a place is a place and it's its own embodiment Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. um yeah no i i I love that um you talk too about the ownership of place how we're also territorial there's another part in the book that kind of it touches on ownership of place in a different way and something more local to you now and that is the um island lake Mm-hmm. Where you've been, you encountered a neighbor, uh, and um, can you talk about that part of the book? How was it maybe the most welcoming neighbor? Or? No,
1: it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. Um, Island Lake is actually now it's all DNR land, so anybody mm-hmm. can go there. Yeah. Um, but when we first moved to this place, um, it wasn't. Uh, it was part DNR land, and then you know private properties uh, you know came up to the water, yeah. and. Um, we, we my husband we would portage our canoe down through the fields, and take a ritual paddle around Island Lake. Usually in June, you know, usually you or sometime during the summer, and um, I think the water was really high that year, so we could actually get all the way around the island. Um, there's a there's a marshy area that sometimes you can't get through. And I mean, here we meet this guy with the outboard motor, like I describe in the book. You know, it's like, yeah. wait, wh- what are you doing with an outboard motor in Island Lake? Yeah, you know, yeah. you're not supposed to have Sounds motors so here. Yeah. yeah. Um, So it was a, um, it, it he, he, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't happy to see us there. But I thought that what he said at the end was, you know, my husband sort of, you know, gave him a peaceable greeting, and yeah. you know, we paddled on, and and it was fine, you know, but. Um, but the guy said something about you know sometimes people leave trash on the island, and yeah. I could see I realized that that was that was what he was worried about. He was worried about somebody trashing the island he he cared about the island, you know so that in in retrospect makes me feel very forgiving of him, yeah. you know like well, then at the, at, the, at the time that was like, oh, why aren't you welcoming your mm-hmm. neighbors and the who are nature lovers and we just live up the hill and um, I mean, he
0: softened. Yeah, you know. So and yeah, and you've reflected on that too. I think in the book of just how it's like, oh yeah, you know, like like what you said, we're we're all kind of territorial in different weird ways, and it's like who, why, like why is that when the land, in a sense, is way more than us, and it's but it's yeah, it's I think that is, that yeah. intimacy with the land and how. You want to protect it in different ways. Yeah, we want to protect
1: it, and we're very—I mean, you know, the idea of the land in America and in the Mm, American imagination, you know, get your piece of land, as if anybody could really own a piece of land. You know, we're really just stewards of the place that we live on, but— we tend not to think about it that way,
0: no, <laughs> you, know, uh-uh. you know,
1: I mean, I get upset, you know, if some strange car comes up our long dirt driveway, you know, like yeah. what are you doing here? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so exactly.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, well, and stewards of the land too. Um, there's a lot of humbleness in the book that I really enjoyed and oh, I really thank respected. You. Thank you. Um, there's a lot of like questions that are posed and, and a lot of just kind of admittance of maybe, In doing a book like this, I can only imagine how overwhelming it can be of um, kind of what we're talking about, like how much to research of the land, how much to put personal memory versus, you know, objective descriptions and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And um, so you do quote um, in a part of the book, and I'll just read it because I love it. It's... um, I could spend the rest of my life on these four acres, laying my knowledge of them over landscapes I've known well. Bits of each one shining through, and still not knowing them fully. There is some odd part of me that wants to keep it that way. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, can you speak to that? Of like, how how much do you let that go versus having such a compulsory compulsory nature of like wanting to know everything? Because I I enjoy all these different things. You see, you see a you see a tree, a bird, a landscape, mm-hmm. history and there's so much you think you don't know and you want to learn but at some at some point you do need to kind of maybe relax your shoulders and and let it go and just kind of enjoy the landscape around you and uh, could you speak to that of how much maybe you yeah yeah
1: i mean you know we have such a desire to know what things are and how they work and what their name is and um you know, as if naming something gives you power over it or something. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, and I—I I, I mean, I enjoy that part of it. I enjoyed finding out, you know, about how old our glacial erratic was and what kind of stone it was and things like that. But there's, but there's still the the stoneness of the stone, if that makes sense. Exactly. Um Yeah. I, I heard a great story once about the poet William Stafford, who was walking with another poet and his and Stafford's wife. And um, she identified a tree and she, she misidentified it. This was in Oregon, actually. <laughs> she identified a tree and, and gave it the wrong name. And, and the other poet said, oh, well, that's not really blah, blah, blah. Mm. It's a, you know, it's a ponderosa pine. you know." Yeah. And William Stafford had such a great retort to that. He turned to the guy and he said... I'm not sure the tree knows that it's a ponderosa <laughs> pine. Yeah. The tree just knows what it is. And mm. what matters is that she noticed the tree. It yeah. doesn't matter. The name is not that important. Now, that's interesting coming from a poet because, of course, poets want to be really specific about things. Yeah, But um, I don't know. You know, I mean, it, it's just a balance, I guess, in terms of research, memory, you know, direct observation. Um I, I took a wonderful class a few years I, again with Nicole Brown called The Kingdom of Green and we each had to pick a tree and study the tree for the whole class, which was like eight One weeks tree. or something. Yeah. yeah okay. So I would yeah. go down on the back hill and I would study the grandmother oak who I refer to in the book, and um, you know, just sit there in my little lawn chair <laughs> under yeah. the tree. And there were times when I could step slip out of my annoying human skin and feel more connected with the mysterious processes going on inside the tree, you know, the way it was pulling water up out of the ground. And, you know, I mean, trees actually have a heartbeat, which I didn't know. That's a piece of research. Really? You know? Yeah. But, um, I you know, so it was, uh, I guess, trying to enter into the more than human world, you mm. know, to leave my human skin behind a little bit, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. It, it's... It's so. It's such an interesting um, balance, right? Because it is a balance. Yeah. i I mean, your book alone, just certain certain things I learned about it, automatically, like, you know, elevates the consciousness a little bit of like what you're looking. You know, when you. Mm-hmm. When you do know the names of the trees or the bird you know. or It's what, nice you, to
1: know them. I love knowing yeah, them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think you do. Yeah. This spark of awareness does kind of alive in yourself. But at the same time, yeah, it's, I love how, I love how you put that. Yeah. A, a tree, a tree just knows it's a tree, you know, it's. Yeah. 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 I don't know. The essence. I mean, I would mean, love, yeah, I would, what, lo- what I would love
1: to know. I would love to be able to enter into tree consciousness, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and what, what. Because they're sen- they're sensate. they're you know they're mm-hmm. they're sentient beings yeah exactly you know I think they know about us um, so I, I guess the trick is to do it as as yeah. closely as
0: you can knowing you can't ever really do it fully you well know? oh, gosh and even just a sense of place for a tree I mean something that in a sense doesn't move it's like we think of so much as like these you know bodies that are not a part of the earth, and yet, and you mm-hmm. know that kind of speaks to the home too. Of like, yet it's all about like, where's your roots, where you're from, and it's like we, we're kind of not tethered. We move around. We're not and it's, yeah. And,
1: and a tree. I mean, the oldest yeah. oak on our property, my husband figured, was a sapling when the early surveying parties that were surveying, sort of mapping out, I guess, the the townships and the counties in the state. Mm. That tree was a sapling. When they went through the field right next to it, because my husband studied the route that they took, yeah, so it's like, wow, that tree was there when those guys were there with all their compasses and their chains and their you know mm. measuring materials, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, know, so.
0: you you ask too, whether what is the memory of things? what is the memory of a tree or a river, or I think a rock bed you 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 asked. Does, does the rock remember it probably. being folded and carried through mm-hmm. time? And...
1: About the glacial erratic, yeah. I thought about that a lot because yeah. that glacial erratic felt like such a, um, you know, a perfect metaphor for somebody like me who's been moved around all over the place. Mm. You know, um, yeah. you know, I imagine, of course, that it came from you know the North Pole or something. You know, yeah. it it probably came from the northern part of the state. <laughs> but, <laughs> but how much
0: time that took, yeah, and how, yeah, I think too one personal experience i i had moved away um from texas and then moved back after 10 years and me and my mom shared this weird feeling that it just all of a sudden we like just got transplanted back and like like a day only happened Mm -hmm. and it was very weird and and i think too moving really plays with time doesn't it does. it, it right? really does of yeah. how it's like it was just yesterday that i was in these douglas fir, and yet it's been this many years since i've been yeah it's mm-hmm. i i think mm-hmm. um that's another yeah overwhelming part um yeah. but I, I love how you asked that about the nature of memory and, and different mm. things thank you. yeah thank you um what is what is genius loci, am I saying that? Genius right? loci. Loci, yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. yeah. Our Latin. <laughs> no yeah. none of
1: us take Latin anymore. No. <laughs> so, um it's a spirit of place. It means yeah. spirit of place. And I mean the idea was originally that, you know, every place had a spirit that inhabited it. Um and I think places do have a spirit that inhabits it. So that's that's why I gave that first essay in the book, that title. Yeah. Um, and I will say about that first essay in the book, I, I wrote that late, late, late in the putting together of the book. Really? The book had this yeah. really awful, boring kind of academic introduction. Um, well, now this is what I'm going to do. Okay. And here's what I did. and oh, It was just, oh, it was embarrassingly bad. <laughs> um, and sure. I knew it had to go. So I, yeah. r- I wrote that essay kind of under 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 pressure really? yeah. <laughs> to get it in and um martha hires at under the sun which is a wonderful online journal of creative nonfiction, was really instrumental in helping me see my way through that essay and what it mm. was Really, and then they uh, re- then they published the essay in that journal so uh, i'm very grateful to her for helping me find my way through that
0: yeah. that's beautiful yeah, yeah it it the I mean the whole book has a um I mean and you mentioned Thoreau specifically in one of the essays and yeah, maybe, maybe we can talk some, about yeah, yeah that yeah. too but um just a transcendental element I mean just yeah the the spirit the spiritual aspect I think of place and yeah. nature that's um, huge. Yeah. I mean I, I I loved Walden is one of my favorites and I, I you know I got excited when I turned the page and I'm like, ooh my Thoreau Summer. Um, maybe you want to talk about that? I think it's just a great essay of, of where this Thoreau Summer for you was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I,
1: it was. I mean, it was the summer I was 20. I mean, you know, what a perfect age. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and I lived in this cabin on a pond in, in, in southern Vermont that, you know, we didn't have any electricity. We didn't have any running water. We used a canoe to get across the pond to, to go to work. Um, we were—it was a five-mile— it I was funny because our, our cars broke down like as soon as we got to the cabin. Oh, so gosh, so yeah. we had to do a lot of hiking out and it was five miles, but it was much shorter if we canoed across the pond. Um, and it was, you know, you don't know when you're having a peak experience, as they call them in life. You don't know it's a peak experience, but I knew it was really special. It was really, it was really amazing. I mean, oh, it just yeah. to live in such close proximity to... a a beautiful body of water like that there were there were um beavers in it and there were loons and it was it was you know it was as close as i could come to being a a, and 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 my friend and i my 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 friend grace and i it was like we were we were female thoroughs, you know so so we felt i felt kind of Tough and strong, like I can do this. Sure, yeah, <laughs> you know. And I mean, of course, Thoreau went home for dinner, and his mother washed his clothes yeah, and stuff. So yeah. you know, so we were actually tougher than you more. And, yeah, 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 yeah. I was an American Studies major as an undergraduate too, so I was, I was drenched in all that transcendentalism, all, all that perfect kind of timing. thought. Yeah, yeah, perfect timing. When uh, you're twenty, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I yeah. feel
0: like that's maybe when I read Walden too. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, that's great. Yeah. Um, speaking of bodies. Of water, too, probably one of my favorites of the book. My question is, Allison, what is the best body of water? And I think it is kind of answers itself in the book. And or maybe you have a different opinion now, but is it a, a lake, a, an ocean? What is it?
1: <laughs> you know, I think I talk about that in the book. Yeah. Um, you know, where my first impulse would be, you know, it's got to be an ocean. Um, <sighs> I, don't,
0: I was going to say maybe rivers.
1: I was going to say rivers, yeah. I was going to say <laughs> yeah, rivers, yeah, because yeah, there's a long middle – it was sort of the middle section of the book about yeah. about rivers, different rivers I had known. For um, sure. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, it's it's funny. It's actually like a, a, a great conversation starter I have for people. I always want to know that. I'm like, God, there's so many beautiful bodies of water. What's, what's the best one? Is there a best one or anything? But there is a part of persistence of rivers that really – I think celebrates. Um, it celebrates many. You go through a lot of different rivers, and we can talk about that. But maybe we can start by having you read, maybe a part of it that's really celebratory of uh, around here, around Madison. Sure. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't expect to um, fall in love with the Yahara River. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All you Madisonians out there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but I did. Um, and and it says something. I think about proximity and time with a river, too, mm. you know. Mm. Um, so I'll, I'll read a little bit about that. And you want me to read be great. to the end of this uh, section? Yeah, just okay. like
0: maybe the um, middle of the page, yeah, to the and, end. Yeah, and then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay,
1: super.
0: Yeah, that'd be great.
1: Okay. Um, these days when I spend time beside a river, the one that companions me is the Yahara within whose watershed I riv- I reside. Tom and I have canoed almost all of the Yahara and love best the winding, wooded section south of where we live. Here I have learned the difference between canoeing on rivers and lakes. Here I have learned to paddle in tandem with Tom so that sometimes it seems we and his yellow canoe, good medicine, are one being. Here I have heard the raspy skiroo of a startled green heron and held my breath as we watched a deer drinking, her brown eyes reflecting the river's wild wisdom as we slipped past. A still ambivalent transplant to Wisconsin. I am surprised to realize I have spent more time canoeing the Yahara than any other river. How did this come to be? And what has this unprepossessing river taught me when I wasn't aware of anything but the pleasure of moving upon it? My paddle lifted, dripping with water weeds and gilded by sunlight. I realize that, like the river, I have been in motion the whole time, my life running with a power and momentum I only sometimes understand, each of us a mystery to ourselves after all, until the moment of final reckoning. Shall we gather at the river, the old hymn asks. Perhaps that is when I will grasp what rivers, all of what rivers mean. Certain moments canoeing on the Yahara stand out in my mind, like the bright beads of rain I once saw strung on a storm-drenched spiderweb spun across a fallen tree, or the row of basking painted turtles I glimpsed lined up on a log in the sun, their shells shining like lacquered boxes. But I've spent most of my time with this river on foot, strolling beside it at the local dog park as our two tricolored collies lope ahead. There's a play area for wardle-loving dogs who fling themselves with abandon off the dock built for this purpose, chasing sticks and balls, an activity I am secretly glad our dogs disdain. But for the most part, the river serves as a liquid fence, keeping the dogs safe on the isthmus of the park. I stroll beside the water, measuring my steps to its cadence. Listening again for voices I might recognize, the water as always, speaking a language it seems I once knew. As I walk, I am seduced by the Yehara's cattail marshes and sedge meadows, its sandhill cranes and snowy egrets, its kingfishers and great blue herons, its ever-present flocks of honking Canada geese. I watched the way tree swallows dip over the water, the blue-green sheen of their wings like delicate ciz- scissors cutting a path through the air, and admire hordes of red-winged blackbirds as they twist and turn in complex skeins, their voices a thousand creaky screen doors flung open on spring. The Gahara is neither as beautiful nor as beloved to me as rivers I've known in the past. Often a soupy gray green in high summer, clouded with algae whose growth is abetted by the agricultural runoff endemic to this part of the upper Midwest, it's not always appealing. In winter, whether frozen over or clogged with chunks of broken ice, it's gray and foreboding. But there are times when, standing in a sheltered half moon beach where the water moves more slowly, I can see through to the river's sandy bottom and And am reminded that nothing stays the same. Everything, the river, life, me, changes. And after that, it changes again. I love the way the Yahara links and makes possible the four big lakes running like a silvery umbilicus between them. I love how it swallows the sky so that walking beside it, I almost lose perspective, the reflections of oaks in the water as real as the trees they mirror, and I feel I am walking on clouds." I love the way the river pushes against its few small dams, and I am happy one of them has been taken down, allowing the water its natural momentum. Most of all, I love the way the river seems to dream in early October, its deeper currents hidden beneath its still face. Staring into the depths, I almost grasp something in the mystery of all rivers— simultaneously here and there behind and ahead moving and calm rivers take me deep into my own past and beyond the present into an as yet unknown future once standing alone on the Yahara's small sandy beach i had the urge to dip my hands in the water cupping my palms i was startled to see my own lifeline sharp and visible in a way i hadn't noticed before glimmering up at me even as the water slipped between my fingers. Was my life a river, too? Despite all my years watching rivers, it was a story I hadn't thought to tell myself. If, as Ursula Le Guin says, story is our only boat for sailing the river of time. This moment was one of my tales, a liquid page scripted by ripples, eddies, and whirls which is perhaps rivers' greatest mystery and what keeps me coming back to them, despite my love of mountains and oceans. I am caught and held by rivers, pushed and pulled by them, sung into being by their very riverness, as incapable as, of resisting their flow as I am of not breathing. Each river I encounter changes me, baptizing me with its wildness into who I am at the moment, a source, a channel, a pair of grassy banks, a flood. "'allowing the promise of rebirth "'as surely as if I have been hallowed "'by total immersion, "'as sometimes I am, "'gathered with my many selves "'beside the river of then and now, "'listening and watching for what comes next, "'my life remade by moving water "'as it quickens, gathers, and falls, "'rushing always toward the next bend "'around which the shining path "'seems to go on forever.'"
0: Thank you, Allison. Uh-huh. Um, I really appreciate that uh, I just love um, how how you talk about other rivers too in that essay and then how you bring it to kind of where you currently are um, and also how just even you acknowledge where oh like the ahara like that's that's where I'm you know spending most of my time, you know maybe not the you know, like the sexiest river. I know, <laughs> <or anything>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, just how uh, how you end up falling into a certain space and, and how it keeps moving. I think a lot of your book talks about that, movement, that constant yeah. movement. and Yeah. yeah um, and we
1: don't like it, you know? Mm, we don't like change. I yeah. think humans don't like change, and yet... Mm-hmm. Where would we be if we weren't changing? Exactly. And I learned that watching that watching that river, mm. you know.
0: Yeah, because so. we like a river, and that keeps going, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that I really appreciate that. Um, we're running out of time, but yeah. um, oh man, I have so many questions. I love this book, oh, and I think it. Thank you so um, much. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wanted to ask. This is maybe a loaded question, but what is the creative with a capital C? And what oh. does that do for landscape and for our lives, you think?
1: Well, the creative, I can't claim to have invented the creative. <laughs> my my wonderful friend and uh, mentor and former teacher, um, the Los Angeles poet Holly Prado, um, was the person who, 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 who coined that phrase, the creative. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I mean, she would always, she would always capitalize it as if it were a deity, although she didn't think of it as a deity, but I think she, you know, I mean, that's the thing that animates all art, you know, I mean, it's the energy, it's the mystery, it's the, it's the compulsiveness (laughs) to to, to, to write or paint or make music or whatever one's art form is, and, um, but you know, I mean, interesting, interestingly enough, it's also I think the force that animates the natural world. Um so um I I think I'm not answering your question. What what, what was the exact just what, what is the creative? The, I think the, yeah.
0: well, it's yeah, cuz you, you you just mentioned in the book and I thought it was just a very interesting way of kind of even just dealing with, you know, loss or aches of a of a different place and whatnot and and how um I think you even just say how it, it's it's a you know it's a matter of kind of how we tell the mm-hmm. the story I think mm-hmm. or whatnot right yeah. y- you talk about what you tell your students and whatnot about kind of how you know we all experience different things and and pain and loss and different things but. I think I don't know that creative spirit resonated with me of like what we do with that, you know, what how we, we tell the it, story. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: And art makes the container. I think mm. you know. I mean, I mean, I and I really believe this too that. E- and I mean, in a way, this book is a container. It was a container for my search for home. It was a cont- container for my longing and loneliness and nostalgia and you know, feeling like, oh, you know, I'm like Ruth amidst the alien corn, yeah. you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. When will I ever find a home? Yeah. Um, but art makes a container for that, mm. and, um, you know, that's that's an amazing thing. You know, it mm. it might not, you know, like if something really bad happens in one's life, you know, like yeah. like my mother dying when I was a, a little girl. Yeah. It was a, a terrible cl- cataclysmic thing, but um, being able to write about her um and make something beautiful out of loss or sorrow mm-hmm. i think is a transformative process and i think i think it's mysterious and i for me it's a spiritual process you know i wouldn't align it with any theology mm-hmm. it's my own it's no, my own sure. <laughs> my own theology yeah yeah um but yeah that's that's what the creative is all about for me and i i i, I bless my friend and and teacher holly for for thinking about the world that way
0: yeah there's so much gratitude so much appreciation in the book and so much awareness and i think it's very i think it's a very contagious book i think you come across from it and a lot of those values a lot of these different subjects you know the sensitivity all of that i think really transforms really well into the page and i think um yeah definitely recommend the book and i and i thank you so much um for writing thank you um I I am gonna have to let you go here pretty soon because we're out of time. We're out of time. Yeah. Any, uh, any last word at all um, that you want to say before we go? Or?
1: Well, I think you know when I when I talk about this book to people, I say it's my it's it's my praise song to place. um, yeah. um But I think that it was also I mean it's it was also a. It's also a book of gratitude. It's a it's a book of gratitude to all the places that I've lived and what they've given me. And of course, you know, what goes along with those places are the people, you know, and, and I mean, a book doesn't get made by itself. You know, I mean I did the writing, obviously. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I had lots of really good friends. Um, Catherine Jago, um, Sarah Tabor, Marilyn Anucci, um, uh, Judith Sornberger, my writing partner, my husband, um, um, you know, who read many, many, many drafts of, of these of these pages. I had I had a great freelance editor who who helped me. So, um, you know, it's I, I'm i it's it, the, it's just there's so much gratitude for me in this book about having lived in all these places, you know, and it began as a search. It began as a quest. It began as what the hell am I doing? You know, yeah. it began in kind of a grumpy way, you know. And um, but yet I learned reverence and stillness and and prayer and celebration and, and gratitude, you know, from a place.
0: It's a it's a beautiful journey to see. And, and, and um yeah, I appreciate you welcoming us into that. Thank oh, you so thank much. Thank you.
1: You've been such a great interviewer. You asked such sensitive questions.
0: <laughs> <laughs> appreciate it. I'm waiting for your book now. Oh, man. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Alison. Um, it's been a pleasure. I've been speaking with author Allison Townsend. Her newest book, The Green Hour, A Natural History of Home, is available now from UW Press online and at local bookstores near you. Specifically, Arcadia Books, Mystery to Me, and Room of One's Own is some of Allison's personal recommendations. You've been listening to Madison Bookbeat, your community radio home for local authors, topics, book events, and publishers. I've been your host, Cole Erickson. Thanks to our guests this hour and to engineer Andrew Thomas. Up next, three hours of jazz with Alex Wilden-White, but first, the Insurgent Radio Kiosk. I'll catch you next month. You're listening to Community Radio, WORT 89.9 FM Madison. Thank you.